All right, guys. Thank you for that carrier update. Couldn't have been a better lead-in to our next guest if we had planned it that way, of course. We've got Scott Pecorellio joining us, CEO of Weather Optics, to continue this conversation about Hurricane Idalia, what this looks like for the freight markets. Scott, we just heard from Tony and Donnie talking a little bit about what drivers can expect there on the Florida Gulf Coast. What are your thoughts? We specifically are looking at some of these lanes that are kind of the worst to run these next few days. What are you guys seeing? Yep. Uh, Idalia right now is strengthening a Category 1 hurricane, uh, expected to be a major hurricane sometime overnight tonight into tomorrow morning. The lanes that are going to be impacted the worst are probably across I-75, um, I-10, US-98. This is where we're expecting those significant trucking delays, flooding. Um, I think the biggest issue that you'll have, as you talked about in the last segment, uh, is going to be the storm surge and the flooding, right? So we're expecting 8 to 12 feet of storm surge for part of the Big Bend of Florida, uh, and that's going impact, to impact transportation uh, pretty significantly. Scott, as you, look at, excuse me, as, you, as you look at the situation in terms of, obviously, what are the dangers in terms of going in too soon? Obviously, people, you want to get out before it gets there as well. But um, in terms of, obviously, Florida is not just that particular portion of uh, the state that's going to get hit. You've also got areas that are going to be south that need to get things out there as well. What are your major concerns along those routes in terms of how long people need to wait to make sure that they can get back through I-75 out and so forth? Yep. The worst conditions are probably going to be starting later this evening and into tonight. We're going to start to see some of those outer rain bands from the hurricane make its way on shore. Uh, the worst impacts are going to be tomorrow morning, so somewhere between 5 a.m. and probably into 10, 11, 12 p.m. And then you'll start to see some of the impacts recede along the immediate coastline. Um, however, some of that flooding could last a while, right? You could be talking about several days along the immediate coastline. So really to play it safe, it's going to be later in the week when you're going to start to be able to move freight again across those areas, depending on how bad the actual flooding is. Um, this also going to be damage to infrastructure, um, along with the flooding, the high winds above 100 miles per hour, widespread power outages, things like that. It's going to be hard for uh, a quick recovery of that. So you might be looking at, you know, Thursday and Friday before things really start uh, to get better in those locations. So we've got a chart get, uh, ready to pull up from you guys there at Weather Optics. This right here is showing, of course, that forecast track plus your cone, which, of course, when we're looking at this, it doesn't necessarily highlight the true extent of where those impacts are going to be, Right. We're seeing that kind of center line track, which is the expected location of the center of the storm, move up. And it kind of hits in that Big Bend area, right between Apalachicola through the Big Bend. And really, the next thing that you've got down there to the south is going to be that Tampa-St. Pete area. For folks in Tampa, this is almost kind of bad news because they're in that south, uh, that southeastern quadrant of the storm. You're going to have a lot of onshore flow, which is really going to heighten the storm surge potential there. We've already started to see some evacuation orders go into place across Tampa in the St. Petersburg area. How much more expect are you expecting to see from these evacuation orders? And when should people really start to get ready to heed those? Yeah, I think that's one of the tricky parts of the storm is that the center of the storm is going to be pretty far away from Tampa, right? Pretty far north. But um, as you said, that storm surge and the way that the winds are coming on shore, it's going to lead to flooding across that area. And you're going to start to see that later this afternoon and into this evening. Um, and so we expect probably more evacuations across that area. Um, and, and so the, the impacts will be far reaching, well away from the center of impact, again, down into Tampa and then all the way up into to Tallahassee as well. Going back to that chart one more time, obviously there is the area of impact on the mainland. But obviously, if you follow that track as well, you're looking at going up towards Savannah, Charleston as well. And obviously, the hurricane would dissipate 
in strength at that particular point. But is there concern there uh, on the tail end of this as, as it heads back towards the Atlantic uh, it, that uh, there could be you need to be um, aware of where it is and what it, how powerful it is as, as it gets to that portion of the country? Definitely portions of Georgia, South Carolina, they're going to be impacted by the hurricane on its first pass. Um, modeling right now is a little bit uh, all over the place with what what happens after it exits the Atlantic. Um, it may come back around and give some more impacts to parts of the southeast, um, but more likely than not, it will be much weaker uh, and could dissipate altogether. So we'll be watching that pretty closely um, over the next week or so. Looking at models this morning, the GFS is naturally just kind of out to lunch, right? It full, has it making a full circle with a secondary landfall back just to the south of the Savannah, kind of Charleston area. This is pretty fanciful. We're looking at about four to six days out for this to happen and for some clarity to come up. But obviously, those folks on that Atlantic side still need to be prepared, both from a transportation standpoint and also from a port standpoint. We've seen now Jacksport issue some now closures. The Port of Tampa starting to issue some closures as well. For our ocean carriers who are maybe looking to berth or looking to now find space before the storm, what does, do they need to prepare for as they're getting ready to offload and then carriers in the dry space? They need to prepare for this as well. Yep. Um, I think all of those folks need to be very careful about um, what's going on here. A, a lot of times there are some um, unexpected things that happen with hurricanes, as, as we know. So um, we need to keep a look to see what happens um, after uh, the hurricane exit the coastline, and then if it comes back on shore, what types of impact, probably mostly from flooding that we'll see uh, along the coastline as well. Scott, when you look at it, I was going to talk about unintended or unexpected uh, consequences coming up. What do you look at in terms of, obviously, this is a big storm, it could get bigger. Um, and uh, in terms of, of basically best case scenario, worst case scenario, preparing for the worst, obviously, what could possibly be that worst case scenario as this hurricane makes landfall? The thing to watch out for, I think most specifically, is that it strengthens a little bit more than expected near the coastline. So right now we're expecting a category three. Um, we do have some higher res hurricane models that are showing uh, more towards category four strength. So you could be talking about winds that are sustained at 120 or 130 or 140 miles per hour, which would be um, worst case scenario. Also a storm track that shifts slightly further to the east, a little bit closer to Tampa. Um, that would make for a much worse storm surge for those regions. Uh, the best case scenario, and, and one of the better things that we're seeing is the speed of the hurricane at which it'll hit the coastline. So something we saw last year with the hurricane in Florida, it was crawling seven, eight, nine miles per hour. Um, we expect this hurricane to be a, a good bit faster. So at least when impacts happen, um, they should get through the region relatively quickly. Um, about 17 to 20 miles per hour, which is which is on the faster side of, uh, of of hurricanes moving. Forward speed is always a good thing when it comes to these large storms like this. We've got another chart from you guys. This one's depicting some power outage expectations. And I love this feature of the weather optics because it really highlights that infrastructure and the fact that infrastructure impacts stretch well outside of that forecast cone of impacts. We're looking again Mostly it's in big time impacts in that big bend space, but we could be anticipating power outages all the way as far out towards the Panama City area, up towards Jacksonville, and even as we mentioned towards that Florida Georgia line. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's being seen here on this map and who should expect to see some of those bigger outages? Yeah, so this is our power outage index. It's actually trained off of real historical power outage data. Um, and so what you're seeing here is actually that wind field is going to expand, right? So you can see where the center of that hurricane is likely to come on shore, um, just to the southeast of Tallahassee. But those impacts of power outages are going to 
going to extend uh, pretty far out. So that center area, you're looking at nines and tens. That means we're expecting um, over 90% of customers to lose power in that area. As you get into some of those lighter pinks and purples, we're talking about 50, 60% of customers losing power. And the much lighter purples, uh, you're talking about 10 to 20% of customers losing power. So overall, we're expecting a lot of power outages, and some of those will be long-lasting as well, especially towards the, the center of the storm. Scott, as you look at this particular storm and as it starts to make landfall here, um, when is the point in which transportation people, obviously residents, they need to be out if they, if they aren't already? It should really be this afternoon, um, afternoon, early evening, I would say. Some of those outer bands are going to start coming on shore uh, later this afternoon into the evening hours. And while those won't be too bad, um, there's going to be a rush to get out as well. And new evacuation orders are going to be happening. So the time to get out is now um, and by latest, probably this evening and, and into the early part of the overnight hours. It's going to be... Definitely interesting to see how the storm develops. We're expecting, as you mentioned, that rapid intensification as the storm continues to move over some very, very warm waters in the Gulf. Of course, we saw headlines of water temperatures down near the Florida Keys of anywhere between about 98 to 101. So ridiculous intensification coming tonight. Scott, thanks for joining us today. If people want to go ahead and catch up with you guys on weather optics and maybe use some of those awesome maps to prepare for this storm. And of course, we're not done with hurricane season yet. Where can they go to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Visit us at weatheroptics.co or find us on LinkedIn and uh, happy to chat. Thanks so much, Scott. And uh, obviously, we'll keep updated with how this storm progresses from here on out. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. And of course, you can follow us on FreightWaves.com. We're posting some daily updates on this storm as well, and we'll have them here tomorrow morning on FreightWaves Now. Right now, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with a Research Corner right after this.